Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Here in the Northern Rockies, dark winter months are outlasted in basements, dens, and nooks, where kindred souls gather to share intel, swap fly patterns, and relive the memories from seasons past. This gathering spot, known locally as a February room, is the inspiration for this podcast. No matter the season, the door is always open to those with a fly fishing story to tell. Brought to you by CD Fishing USA, the North American distributor for composite developments, fly rods, and fishing accessories. Tech, precision, ingenuity, legacy. Go to cdfishing.us and follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Here's your host, Lauren Carnop, and this is The February Room. Welcome to The February Room. Today, I have the great pleasure of speaking with Marty Johansson, founder of Composite Developments Rods, all the way from New Zealand. Thank you so much for talking with me today, Marty. Good morning, Lorraine. Thank you. Well, it's morning here, of course. I think it's afternoon over there. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and um, yep, yeah, a lovely day here. Um, lovely winter spring day. Well, Marty, I know being a uh, founder of Rod Company, you have some fishing stories, and I would love to hear one. Okay, so um, a fishing story, I guess like, we have to go back to about in the 60s, which is... Uh, and probably 68, 69, and I guess that was my first one of my first major trips to Turangi, which is a place that was about four four hours north of uh, where I lived in uh, Palmerston North. And an old boy took me up. He taught me how to fly fish, actually, because in Taupo Turangi area, you can only fly fish, you can't spin fish. And this is a fast wall running water river and uh, cold in the winter time. And I was. And, of course, in those days, New Zealand's population was around 2.8 million people and about 80 million sheep. Um, so you went fishing, you never saw people. I mean, it was just on your own. And then this morning, particular morning, it was minus zero. 
that's not from snow. It's um, it's just very cold and the frosts and stuff up there in this particular place. And we were fishing a little river called the Hinimoa, actually off the, this is in the Turangi area and where the Tongariro is, which you may have heard of, where probably most people from the States come down. They want, always want to fish the Tongariro because it's fast running and big fish and uh, you can't see the fish, but of course it's... Um, um, fantastic fishing anyhow. So we into the Hinamoa we go this morning and it was uh, it was just down this little drop and it was just full of fish. And and in these days, of course, you could take 10 fish per people, person. Um, <laughs> unlike today, uh, we were, you know, we were fishing for for the for the larder. I mean, that's what we did. We went up there and, and we, we would fish for, for three days and try and get 30 fish each to come home with because we would bottle them, we'd smoke them. And my mum would bottle them actually, and we would have several jars of trout in the, in, the, in the larder for the rest of the year, and that's what we had for lunches on our sandwiches. And so it was that's that was the way you did it over those days. But of course today it's it's catch and release most of the time. But we always can, you can take three fish today. So anyhow, we uh, got into the stream and we lit a fire because it was so cold. And we're standing in our waders and we stand in the middle of the fire to thaw out and then go back out. But we take turns at that, and the other guy would go fishing. And then we'd fish this corner and it was just full of fish. We'd throw rocks into them a little bit to disturb them because they'd get into this huddle and we'd throw these rocks and these fish would disperse everywhere. Throw a cast a fly in there and wham, you know. And we didn't take one fish out of there that was under five pounds. And these are rainbow trout. And uh, some magnificent fish in there. So we, we, we then thought, well, how, how are we going to get all these fish out? from you know because it was about a mile walk back to the car and there's oh so we had to go chop a, a, a tree down and a long branch and go collect some flax which is what we used for string and tied all these fish onto this branch and then put it between our shoulders and walked out well when we got <laughs> to the road there was another car there and one of the, the local lads that well, old boy actually came in he was just parking his car and setting up to go fishing himself and he couldn't believe us, the sight when we came out with these fish on between our he said, my God, he said, you guys have been using dynamite in there. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> so that's the story of, you know, of absolute gluttony, I guess, in terms of um, overdoing it. But that's that's a true story, and I've got a photo of it. So <laughs> so there was a lot of work to be done when we got home, obviously, back to the batch to to um, do all the fish and prepare them and hang them in the – we had safes in those days. We didn't have fridges. A safe was just out. I don't know what you call it over there, but it's a, a box with a – Like a smoker? No, it's a safe, you know, you, you hang your fish to dry, but it's it's out in the open air, but the, but sorry, it's in a box, but with, you know, the screens on it so the flies can't get in and things like that, of course. So it's wow. called safe. I don't know what, but safe, of course, is what you put guns and money in, isn't it? <laughs> it's, uh, it's worth something. Is the fishing still as dynamite down there as it was back in the 60s? It, it can be, it can be, um, but of course you can't take that many fish, but uh, yes, that the... Um, over the, there's many fisheries in New Zealand. Obviously, the South Island is probably the most famous to Americans that come here because of the the very the clarity of the the water and also the stalking of the fish. Um, so that's the more of the fishery down there. Whereas in the North Island, it's more deeper and faster flowing water, um, and you obviously you know you're you're bombing with the, uh, nymphs. Um, you know, typically in the Tongariro, for example, you'd have a heavy weighted nymph. And then a lighter nymph, weighted nymph at the end of it. So you'd have two nymphs on, and very hard to cast because you've got to get distance too. So yeah, you are doing a lot of work. Um, 
But yes, to, to answer that question, the, the fishing is right, especially this year, it's very good. In fact, I'm going down in a couple of weeks uh, from Auckland. I it's going the other way now. I live north of Tongariro. I used to live south of it. But um, yes, no, very good fishing. What does New Zealand provide that that the states do not? I guess really the obviously the, the size of the fish is a big part of it. I mean, there's a lot of you know the fish are definitely bigger everywhere than than I've personally had in the states. I've always only caught sort of up to 14, 16, 18 inches um, over there. Um, so I've not had the privilege of catching big rainbows and browns and um, cutthroats, of course, over there. But we we don't have cutthroats here. So the water, I guess, just has better food and all nutrients. I don't know, but I mean, the, the fish are bigger. Maybe not as many as you have in the States in terms of fish, um, but they're bigger. And uh, that's the South Island, very clear waters. And in the North Island, of course, as I said to you, the deep waters and they they, they, they breed in the lakes and uh, well, they breed up the rivers, sorry, and then they come down the rivers into the lakes and then they go back up to the rivers to breed again. And so it's... Yeah, it's just a cycle, which I guess, I mean, the fish from the, you know, they've come from California originally, the rainbow trout, of course, that was introduced to New Zealand back in the 1800s, I believe. So, wow, yeah. I did not know that. Mm. So they're not a native, the, the brown trout or the, all the rainbow trout are not natives to New Zealand, of course, they were introduced. So, yeah, and they, 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 we have a crab, like a little crayfish, freshwater crayfish, and they particularly like them. So whether that's why they get nice and big, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> that's certainly the way it is in the North Island. But. So Marty, how did you start into, get into fishing and then decide to be a founder of CD Rods? How did that all come together? <laughs> Yeah, well, okay. That's I started life as a um, as a fitter and turner, and uh, did that in New Zealand when I was a young fella. And I decided I didn't like to do that, so um, I joined the brewery and here in New Zealand, and uh, um, a major, well, the major beer brewery. And um, I guess I must have done fairly well because they wanted to send me to the states to go to university, which I did uh, for three years in Miami, and then I uh, came home and back to the brewery and then they said oh why don't you go back to america and see if you can set up steinlager over there which is what i did and i did that for two or three years three years and living in california setting up mostly concentrating in hawaii and and in california and then um i i, I knew i just didn't want to do that for the rest of my life and i love fishing so i met this wonderful gentleman called uh richard kantner richard de wolf kantner he was uh his father was his father was i think the number seventh um, flying license in the United States. That's a bit of history there. And um, Richard worked in, during the, after the Second World War and during the war, I believe, on for the Air Force or for the sorry for the government. I guess he was to be, used to be flown out on a Monday morning, uh, early in the morning, in a, a windowless aircraft into the desert, and worked on the U two and the Blackbird. Um, and he was an integral part of that because of the graphites and all the carbon fiber used utilization in the, in the, in the craft. And um, he, he, uh, he uh, and after that was developed, and I think it was in 1952 or something, that's when he broke away from there or left there and um, set up his own company manufacturing sporting goods. And fishing rods was one of them, of course, out of carbon fiber. And so I was lucky enough to meet Richard and his family, who are today are dear friends. I mean, we're like brothers and sisters um, in, in San Diego, and and we set up a joint company here in New Zealand because he needed to um, 
he needed up his production and, and he it was too expensive in those days. I guess it's just like what happens now where we go to China to get things made. He came to New Zealand way back then. And uh, I was lucky recipient of um, being with a joint venture with the government, uh, our New Zealand government, who assisted us to set up a manufacturing plant here in New Zealand. So being an engineer, I was able to build a lot of the machinery myself and um, we set it up and got going and uh, I supplied Richard with blanks, which he in turn supplied, I was a contractor in those days, to a company called Phoenix Fishing, I think, in the United States, which I think still goes today, believe it or not. And yeah, so Richard sadly passed away, but of course his family's still much alive, but the business has been wound up over there. And uh, um, But I'm still very, very friendly, as I say, with the family and they come here and live with us and we go there and live with them. <laughs> <That's fun. laughs> and they love fishing too, so we, you know, it's great, great arrangement. In a nutshell, that's kind of how I started, and from there we manufactured blanks here in New Zealand, which we sold to a local company in New Zealand here who manufactured into rods, and we exported, and we exported to Russia, um, through Europe, South Africa, South Africa, yes, and the United States, of course, and um, yeah, and then eventually we started making rods we could, as we could afford to buy the products and and <laughs> finished rods, and then of course. As of today, we now import all kinds of fishing products and, and distribute along with manufacturing, of course. Do you feel pretty lucky that you get to do something that reflects your passion for what you love to do? Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt of it. That's why I did it. And and today, I mean, my son's now taken the business over and uh, and he's very passionate. In fact, he's out there today doing it, the lucky bugger. And... Uh, <laughs> he's out fishing and uh, so yeah no it's definitely I mean I love hunting and fishing and that's the business I'm in and uh, you know if you can do something you like in life and and have a great life um, well which I believe I have I very lucky feel very very privileged indeed yeah I honestly have to say I think I I think having doing this podcast and listening to people's stories is that their job really tries to encompass what they love to do the fact that you actually have um, had a job that requires you to go into the office to go fishing for as a requirement seems like that would be a lot of um, anglers' dream. Oh yeah, you know without a doubt. I mean, it's it's the, it's the camaraderie, it's the people you, you meet, and of course the people that fish, especially fly fish, are very similar type people to you. So there's no there's no crap in terms of sorting out. The bullshit, you know, from the jelly beans there. I mean, it's the people are this are very similar to you in in, in most cases. They're like for the you know for nature and for the catch and release or whatever, or for the for the environment is it's exactly the same. So there's, that's a good start, isn't it? When you and they usually like beer too, which is good. Absolutely, it's so <laughs> true, right? I feel that as many um, anglers there are in Missoula, there is as equal amount as breweries. They had to even they had to even it out. They're like. <laughs> I mean, every angler needs their own brewery, so we better build them. If you build it, they will come. Probably just like with the uh, CD rods, which is so incredible because you guys also are building some new upcoming rods, the Trist, uh, Tri-CD, um, and those are also uh, made with the composite material. Can you give me a little bit of information about the new rods that you guys are kind of coming up with? Sure. So Trist was, um, you know, a, a name that we that Tom and the boys came up with because 
to try and find a name these days that, that you know that's not registered around the world is absolutely impossible. So it was T R Y C D, Tri C D, Trist. <laughs> so that's uh, how we got came up with that. But Trist is um, is an idea of Tom's, who is a, um, a graduate engineer. He's a very, he's very very good at that sort of stuff. And of course, he's passionate about this sport, so he knew what he wanted to do, and he's come up with a. Um, a triangular packaging uh, or package that uh, is so easy to just unfold and um, you get your pieces out in the fly fishing side of it for example it's it's uh, four rods basically uh, for the price of one so you're getting one handle you're getting a nine foot rod and a and a uh, six or an eight weight or or or, or a uh, ten foot rod in the same and so you can take this anywhere in the world and basically you could saltwater fly fish and also freshwater fly fish with, with the product. Um, and it's so easy. It's uh, it's it's 100% graphite, of course. Similar, exactly the same sort of construction with the helical winds, etc. that we utilize in um, the CD rods or our fly rods. So it's exactly the same. That In fact, it's it's, it's a better, a far better or superior technology than what we, we used when we first started some 40 years ago. So... And that's just for, through refinement of uh, graphite and also through the technology of wrapping and um, and the accuracy of wrapping as opposed to what we did way back then and as I say 40 years ago. So that's the, the freshwater side of it. And uh, if you can, the best way to see it is honestly to go online, www.trust.com. And you can see the presentation there of the fly side of it and also the saltwater side of it. The saltwater side is very exciting because it enables you to take it on the aeroplane um, and you've got three different rods. You've got a jigging rod or, you know, a top water rod, whatever, or even a fly rod. You can put that in there too. So it's yes. pretty, pretty cool. Uh, in fact, it's very cool. I, I think it's um, it's got a lot of merit and hopefully with all the patents just gone through, I believe, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunity, especially in the States too. I think it's it's... I think it's a sport that's also, um, it's hard to get into because it's such an expensive sport um, to get into fly fishing. And yeah. I think it's kind of nice that this is giving an opportunity for people to go out and go fishing and have four rods to, to be able to experience um, whatever they want to. And, and maybe head to New Zealand and yeah. just grab one rod without having four tubes and having security look at you like, where are what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, 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 no, no, it's true, and it's all one little triangle, and it's it's, it's a it's a very cool idea because it just opens up, and they're all just sitting there, and you assemble the rod, and um, and it's very cunning. It's very cunning the way that it goes together, and the actions are honestly a, a second to none. I I believe they're right up there with the best rods in the world. So, uh, and and all four of them in in, in that class. So, absolutely, yeah. Uh, a brilliant brilliant uh, package i believe so yeah well done to tom absolutely you know it's it's crazy because like we talk to other people about um cd rods and everyone always says if it's tested by new zealanders you know it's right uh, the people from new zealand are crazy and they test the crap out of their stuff <laughs> you're well we've got Yes, I mean, um, for obviously, just to testing the rods themselves. I mean, one of my old tricks was driving the car over them and uh, to see if they would withstand the pressure of it, you know, because one of the biggest things is, is breakage in fly rods, as I'm sure you'd probably be aware. And so it's incredible how they break and how easily they can break through trees, through windows and car doors and blah, blah, blah. 
But one of the tests that we used to do was we'd, we could we showed driving my car over over the blank to, to withstand that compression. So that's 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 pretty cool. Um, and then of course bending, uh, we would get somebody on the end and bend it and load the rod normally and try and break it and try and break it um, with gloves on and obviously glasses and and just doing the whole bit. But no, nah, couldn't. Th- that's not a fly rod by that. That was a jig rod, but just that's the sort of things we do to test, um, you know, test the rods. The fly rod itself is there's nothing like getting out there and catching a big fish and, and landing it. Like right now, we've developed some new rods for the uh, for the Twizel area down in the South Island where they catch these mega fish. I mean, these are 40 to 50 pound trout, rainbow trout and brown trout. I mean, they just they're goliaths. They're just the tanks and. Uh, yeah, they're just fish that they've got that big through feeding the, the pellets and these canals. These are man-made canals that um, they've got salmon farms. And, of course, the salmon farm food flows out. And, of course, these rain or these trout are down the canal and they're just sitting there gobbling these pellets up, I guess, that escape the uh, the salmon farms. And they get nice and fat. Well, these things are real slugs, I can tell you. I mean, and, but they fly. I mean, you're talking about flying, you know, playing, playing a fish. On a rod very similar to a fly rod, these rods that we make are nine foot long, and um, they cast uh, what they call, um, well, they use all kinds of baits, but mostly eggs, uh, imitation of egg, and they roll what they call egg roll, and they roll them along the bottom by walking down the straight canal, and and they bounce them along the bottom and pick up these humongous fish. And seriously, I mean, there's several, several fish over 20 pounds. I mean, that's you wouldn't expect not to catch a 20 pounder plus. Um, but to catch a 40 pounder plus is not so it's a bit more we've got a guy that works for us who's uh he's caught three um and he's kind of the guru of uh, catching these large fish so yeah so there's a good test right there i can tell you because the bend they put on the rod trying to bring these things in and because they they go downstream and they they've got power because they're 40 pounders so you can imagine the bend on the rod and the guys trying to stop them <laughs> Jeez, what's the biggest fish you've ever caught uh, my own is only nine pound. I, I've never fished the canal, so I've not, I don't. I, it's probably not my thing so much. I just love the rivers and the natural. I just love being out there in nature and and doing it. I, I, don't, I don't even have to catch fish. I can just sit there and watch, <laughs> listen yeah. to the birds, the bird, the bird song, and our, and 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 down here it's just amazing in the mornings and stuff. How often are you fishing, Marty? Um, and freshwater fishing, not so much nowadays. I'd probably get down two, three times a year. Down, I, I go down to Turangi. Usually that's where I go because I enjoy it down there. That's the old stomping ground I was telling you about with where I caught all those fish. And well, I've been going every year ever since. Uh, and then I fish, of course, a lot on the ocean. So probably every week or two weeks I go out. When you're fishing, what are you, uh, what are you using for um, as a fly? As far as flies are concerned, uh, for wet stream fishing, I, I'd be using uh, my favourite, all-time favourite would have to be the red setter. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Have you heard of a red I setter? I haven't. No. Tell, describe it. Uh, well, red setters, it's made from a dog, obviously, the red setter dog. Uh, that's, oh. It's their fur. And it's just an orange head with the, with the brown uh, hair going back off it as a streamer. I'm not a fly tire. Never have been. Never <laughs> interested. Uh, it's th- okay. I, you and a f- you you have a rod company, so I think you can get away with <laughs> not tying flies. <laughs> yeah, I just find it a lot easier to go, you know, pay somebody else well, to go buy them, and, and that's and I had mates that love to do it, so I just you know, supporting them. So 
that's what he did. But And then I was going to say, though, Marty, because I, I actually was kind of curious about it as we kind of continue to talk, because you've started, you know, this company and what do you see is changing in the fly fishing industry? You know, well, I guess that's a very interesting question. Um, if we start right from the from the start in terms of fishing rods I think that's really an interesting question where's that gone well when I started it was cane and cane and fiberglass in, in New Zealand anyhow and graphite had only just started and as I said to you that's because you know Richard Cantner was the, the instigator of that way way back I mean it had to be because they were the guys the first guys to be using graphite after the war and uh, or during the war too of course but after the war it's when they Put it into application and with that with a blackbird and then of course um then on to sporting products so that's been an interesting thing because there hasn't been much more other than graphite and boron we had boron there for a bit yeah. which we utilized and uh, but it's still graphite which i guess how far can a rod go you know in terms of being light and powerful and the actions and it's incredible all these variations we're getting every year somebody comes out with this and that and whatever but Still does the same job at the end of the day, and uh, mm-hmm. and of course they're lighter and a lot, and you know a, lot, a whole lot sturdier and obviously stronger. But um, and in terms of the fishery itself, obviously the pressure that the fishery is under with regards to um, you know, the number of people doing it, um, the farmlands, and you know the building and construction, and that's all having an effect on the environment, which is something that we here in New Zealand. Uh, you know, um, we're all very strongly voiced on this, of course, and of course the farmers are too. And the farmers, you know, majority of them are all trying to do a good job and, and keeping, uh, you know, the, our streams you know, clean and green. And But of course they can't stop a cow or two or sheep going through it. And when that happens, that's when you know, shit hits the fan, so to speak, and uh, regards to the colour of the water and, and what happens. So that's the pressures and things that are, that are happening here um, and I think almost in, everywhere in the world. So we all have to, to look at um, protecting that environment and, and saving it for the future generations and coming through, which is I hold dear to my heart anyhow. And, and to, I certainly wanted my sons and their kids to be able to be a, do what I did and have a life like we did, catch a fish and, and to walk the streams and listen to the birds and have the camp camp out like we did in the States. So I think that's just amazing to be able to go down a river and set up camp and, and you know have some fun at night and clean up in the morning and hop back into your boats, fish all day and tell a joke or two. It's just, you know, that's to me is the epitome of life. <laughs> yep, absolutely. You might not be, you can't be bringing any more of those rainbows though <laughs> on sticks and those times those times might have passed but marty if people want to learn more about you and the company especially over in new zealand what's the best way for them to reach you and tom over at cd rods new zealand well obviously the website tells you a lot um www.cdrods.co.nz um and or as i said to you before trust.com it is is obviously where you can see everything about the company, but if you're coming this way and um, to New Zealand and if there's anything we can help and direct you in the right way, we certainly know everybody in the industry and, and throughout New Zealand with regards to guiding. We have a lot of pros that work for us. When I say work for us, they you know associated with us um, and using our gear, and we obviously support them all throughout the country. So there's definitely 
um, space to learn there or if you want to write directly to us i mean uh, as i said go to the website and i'm we're, we're writing to people all the time to help them out and, and of course you know we have our agents in the states there which um you know you guys know more about obviously uh justin knows more about uh, us than than most people so he can relay the information you want to for the inside scoop on the fly patterns we've discussed with our guest, check our blog for Flies of the February Room. If you would like to enter the February Room, shoot us an email at info at cdfishing.us. Also, remember to subscribe, share, and if we've earned it, give us those five stars. Thanks for dropping by, and remember to go fishing. <laughs>